Hello and welcome to the Emerald Gamescast, episode 65. It's E3. We're here. I'm Nolan. With me is... I'm Janelle. And also... I'm Alex. Last week we did E3 predictions. <laughs> well, uh, by last week, I mean it came out two days ago at the time you're hearing this, and... um. It, it they came out after E3 already happened, so they're wrong. But now E3 <laughs> did happen, and we're here, and uh, we can we can do a little bit of compare and contrast. What we got right, what we didn't, what we didn't expect at all. I have one thing to say mm-hmm. before we start this, and this isn't an original thought because I needed this reminder, and I just saw this on Twitter. We're gonna be making fun of E3 a lot, but I I saw people talking about how like you know. A lot of people did put really hard work into this, especially mm-hmm. during a pandemic, and they should get credit for that. Um, so any any Duncan I'm going to do, which is a lot, is not at all at the like developers who made all of the cool games we saw. Yes, that is a very good point. I'm, I'm glad right. you brought that up because I was I was going to ask you guys what your thoughts on this E3 were. Well, I want to say out of the gate that in the past when we talked about E3, we're we're talking about four maybe five conferences that happen over the course of three days this e3 is going to be really really weird and we're not even going to be able to cover everything because if you were to go look at a list of all the conferences that happened in e3 2021 you would be confronted with over 20 different named conferences i i can't even list for you off the top of my head probably half of them that happened because it it was at a point where it became unclear what shows were actually officially part of the schedule and what weren't. We're recording today because we thought that E3 ended today, but it's actually not even officially over. I think there's more things happening. Guerrilla Collective, for example, did their first day of E3 on June 5th, even though E3 didn't start until after June 10th, and they did their second day on June 12th. It's all very confusing. Yeah. So we're going to basically cover the things that stood out to us. Um, but yeah, like there's no EA this year. There's no Sony this year. Um, it's going to be kind of strange. I want to so, come back to this idea. No, that going in. Yeah, I want to come back to this idea, but I feel like this E3 was rough for a couple of reasons. And one of the main ones obviously being the COVID-19 pandemic, which stopped production and a lot of things and made it hard to do organizing. But I think it was also uh, the ESA, the people who run E3, were like, oh, fuck. People are saying that we're not relevant anymore. We can't have that. And they just went out and talked to people and were like, please let us do, like, please do a conference with us. Like, (laughs) and people like 2K who are like, we don't have anything planned. They're like, just do anything. Just do literally anything. Please, we're begging you. That's my tinfoil hat theory. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say, we don't actually know that that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I I agree we don't know that's what happened. But in Alex's defense, Bandai Namco is an example of a show we won't even be talking about because you, yeah. you might know that Bandai Namco is going to be involved in Elden Ring, which you would think would would be part of their conference, but that got announced at the Summer Games Fest, which again is not technically part of E3. So Bandai Namco, who still apparently had a conference slot scheduled, devoted 15 minutes to talking about this game called House of Ash by the Until Dawn people, and then nothing else. <laughs> Yeah. Not Scarlet Nexus, which they could have done. Not Elden. Ring. It, it, it's. It seemed like a lot of these were thrown together at the last minute, except for Devolvers, which we'll talk about. Well, yeah, I'm Devolvers sure, always has a, a wonderful <laughs> plan. It's not on the list, but yeah, we can and, and, and talk Microsoft. About Microsoft was was very good as well. But yeah, yeah. so we're gonna just kind of go down the list and just talk about some games. Um, Alex is a big Nintendo guy, so Alex, yeah, start talking about Nintendo. Okay. Um, Nintendo. 
we I don't have a joke. so I I, I talked Nintendo about this beforehand. Nintendo. Yeah. We talk about Nintendo. Right. We talked yeah. about this beforehand, but these aren't going to be in order of release. They're going to kind of be roughly about how much stuff we want to talk about in them. Um, so that was sort of a rough release, and people were cool with putting Nintendo first. I agree with that. If I had to guess, I'd say that like either them or uh, Microsoft had mm-hmm. probably the better conferences and yep. the ones that felt yep. most like classic E3 conferences. Um, but for Nintendo, we got uh, Smash. We got the Smash Bros. DLC, like we had predicted. It was uh, Kazuya, I think his name is from Tekken. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a character I would have expected. I did expect a Tekken character, but I thought it would have been um, Electric Old Man from all the other games. I don't remember his name, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not a Tekken expert. Character seems cool. We'll hear more about it. I think like in two weeks when Sakurai does a little presentation. So that's neat. I think he oh, looks real- really fun. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, you're you're good, but uh. There were, I found out about this after the fact, because I was trying not to get spoiled, there were a couple of, like, prominent leakers that said Master Chief was coming to Smash Bros, and people were like, oh my god, that's so cool, and then he wasn't, and then the Xbox community director was like, hey, so we're big fans of both these series, but, uh, that's not in the plans, like, so don't get excited for that, because we can absolutely confirm that's not happening, so, I feel bad for all those people that got their hopes up about, uh... A character that I feel like would never end up in Smash Bros. Another reminder to not follow leakers because their work is pointless and they suck. Every time that a leak happens with Smash Bros, people will say, this leaker got seven things right in the past. He he got this, <laughs> yeah, he has yeah. this amazing track record. This guy got stuff. 500 things wrong, but he got two of them <laughs> kind of right. Yeah. I trust Listener, here's your here's your guide to being a leaker, okay? Say something like this. In the next five years during the ps5 cycle sony will announce a fifth crash bandicoot game yeah <laughs> well, no, so the thing is you could say that but people would be like okay who cares it's the people that have that track record right but the that's, moment no, they but, get but something that's, wrong that's, that's the point that's the point that i'm making that's the point that i'm making say something that has like a 60 percent chance of being true yeah, yeah and if it's not true it won't matter because you're anonymous. You won't make a splash anyways. It's no detriment to you. Yeah. But if you're right, now people are paying attention to yep. you, and you can say whatever you want. That's how I feel about Smash characters. Uh, they're like, yeah. Smash characters, they're going to they're gonna pull the video game people. We'll say f- five random video game people, three of them get in, now people listen to me. Yeah, the, the, the leak economy <laughs> is wild. Yeah. But um, I think he looks like a really cool character. Yeah. I, I'm um, really interested in his more classic-looking move style than... You know, a character who's really difficult for me, at least, to play like hero. So I think he looks like a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm happy, also, yeah, to see a Smash character who doesn't have a gimmick. Yeah, well, it's it's he refreshing. Does, I, I mean, he, he, well, well, like yeah, but it's not like a you know like a like a hero gimmick, like a really have, intense. When I'm, when gimmick. I'm talking gimmick, yeah, like hero has one. I'm thinking of Banjo Kazooie and the three feathers per stock. I'm thinking of, you know. See, uh, I'm you thinking know, you know, of the you know I mean. I'm thinking of the fighting game characters like Ryu, Ken, and uh, Terry. I imagine he's going to have that gimmick because he comes from Tekken. Probably where they but, where they face them, but yeah, you know yeah. for the most part or he's like a, specific he's inputs to do stronger moves. But yeah, melee style attacks, just, just basic hits and, and grabs. It it looks refreshingly simple. Um, but they also announced uh, a game in the Yakuza universe. What uh, Super Monkey Ball? Yeah. Mania. This is really. a remastered version made, of... To, to put context on that, the creator of Yakuza <laughs> had previously been the creator of Super Monkey Ball before, and he, obviously no longer. But anyways, you were saying, Alex. 
Oh, no, you're good. Uh, the, uh, these games are remasters of the first and second Super Monkey Ball games, fan favorites, people really like them. Um, personally, I am very curious to see what the physics are going to be like, because people like those first two games because of how they feel, and that's something that was... It's kind of like a little... It's kind of like a Melee situation. They like those games because they feel very different and unique from the games that came after it. So I'm curious to see if they are going to keep that true to form or, or what the deal is. But hmm. uh, and I feel kind of similarly, actually, about uh, the new Mario Party game, Mario Party Superstars, which is just sort of like, let's take all the best mini games and boards from the old Mario Parties and release a new Mario Party coming, I think it was this November. Did I, thought it did was, I misunderstand? I thought it was yeah, they're adding them to whatever Mario, Mario Party's out right now. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a update. Wait, to the Switch. It's yeah. an update to the Switch Mario Party, I'm pretty sure. No, yeah. I think I think they're selling it for like 60 bucks. I think it's a brand new game. Here, let, me keep, keep, let me check Mario 64. No, keep, keep vamping. I'm going to I'm gonna Google it. I'm going to beat you to okay, it. Okay, all right. Sounds good. Um, but this I... This calls I, for Oh, shit. <laughs> I love me a Mario Party. I am very interested in this game. I'm going to keep my eye on it. The last Mario Party game for Switch was not terrific. Uh, here's hoping this one's a little bit better. But we'll see. Yeah, I uh, think that Mario Party on Switch is like a okay. It's just fine. Um, you you might you might be right. Yeah, Mario Party Superstars releases on October 29th. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's a brand think, new game. Yep, yep. Because the previous game was called Super Mario Party mm. in 2018. Okay. Yeah, and they're selling it for 60 bucks physical at GameStop. So yeah, it's it's a new game. Yeah, sort of the Smash Ultimate of Mario Party, if you will. Probably, yeah. That's actually a pretty good. That's, pr- that's probably a pretty good analysis or a pretty good prediction. Um, if you can't tell, listener, we're, we have a lot of things in the docket. We're having to kind of just quick fire through yeah, this. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. Pull up E three recap or something. Get get a list in front of you. Have have some fun with it. Uh, you guys but, like Metroid? I've never cared, but never I know a Metroid? lot of people do. Yeah. So so this is cool. Metroid, like you know, there was the 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 main three games, and then the Game Boy Advance game, and then nothing for I think nineteen years. Um, Alex filled me in on some history a little bit earlier. Back on the GameCube, or you know, on, on the Wii rather, and Metroid Prime 3, there was a scannable object you can find that said something like Metroid Dread Project soon to be completed. And it was a tease way back, you know, almost two decades ago, um, that there was going to be a fifth mainline Metroid game coming out. The game got cancelled, and then to today. It was this morning announced that it actually is coming out on the Switch. It's going to be a thing. But in the treehouse later, they confirmed the game actually had been canceled twice. So this game, oh, wow. I think this game usurps Duke Nukem forever for most delayed game <laughs> at this point. But it, it, it looks really good. It's a direct sequel, it looks like, at least I think, to Metroid Fusion it on is. the Game they Boy Advance that, yeah. because they showed the... Um, the fusion suit, the fusion suit uh, variant of va- variant of the various suit on Samus, and uh, it, it's got sort of like an alien isolation type thing where there's a robot called Emmy that looks to be sort of haunting you around. Yeah, I like that they added a, a Mr. X. Yes, I'm surprised that yeah. this that this I, I thought when they showed it at first that it was going to be like a Switch release of Metroid Two for a second there. Oh yeah, they do have that remake on the 3ds. Plus, they have that mechanic from the remake. They have the counter, the melee yeah, counter, yeah. that they're throwing in there. It's it's the same studio. I forget what they are. They're uh, they're uh, Spanish. I think they're from Spain. 
but I'm I'm curious about this game. I've also never gotten super into Metroid, so I'm 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 willing to give this a shot or at least give it a look. Um, when I was about eight or nine, uh, I had a Game Boy Advance, and I, I didn't have that many games for it. Um, but my dad was one time on a on a trip to Idaho or something, and he stopped at a gas station to fill up, and um, he found Metroid Fusion on the ground next to the gas pump. Oh, fuck. And he asked the attendant if anyone had lost it, and they said, no car has been here for several hours. <laughs> and so my dad... <laughs> brought it to me and gave it to me in Corvallis while we were at my grandma's house and I, and I played and let me tell you listener I cried that game was very scary I had <laughs> nightmares I had a lot of nightmares because I was too young for Metroid because <laughs> yeah, there's like an enemy nightmares. that stalks you in that game right it's like a dark it's it's like you see visions of a Samus clone like hiding in the vents and it follows you around it's very creepy Oh man, there's a uh, WarioWare game too coming out as well. Yeah, nasty there is. Nasty little fucker. Nasty, <laughs> so wait, nasty, he's, nasty he's little hilarious. guy. It looks really fun, actually. But God, he's so gross. Alex sounded almost disappointed. What, what, what's, what's, what's eating you, Alex? Me? I, I, it yeah. just doesn't. It doesn't really look or feel like traditional Mario or WarioWare, which is it's called fine. WarioWare. Get it together, by the way, listener. On, yes. on, on the Switch, it's like a two-player co-op WarioWare. Yeah, it, it looks. It looks like an interesting, like new sort of take on WarioWare, but that's not really what I think most people are into WarioWare for. Um, take I'm being, glad like, you, like, actually play as a character, like... Yeah, and it seems more like... One character, like, in the micro-games, and the characters have abilities, so you're not, you're not like, memorizing the micro-games. You're, like, playing the micro-games with, like, the character that has a ground pound, and the character that has a coconut gun, and they all have different ways of interacting with it. Seems a little weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna keep my eye on it, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, Shin Megami Tensei Five. They did that thing that they do at every Nintendo Direct, where they explain to the audience how a JRPG works. Yeah, like, that's the majority of that presentation. Um, no, you like Persona. Yeah. You think you'll try this game? No. Why not? <laughs> it does. It's well, the stuff I like about Persona isn't in it. The demons and the combat. That's the stuff the I in- like the least about <laughs> the, the, the interpersonal like the relationships. Least. Is I think what she's after, right? Like yeah, the school yeah, stuff. I wanna, I wanna go work at the flower shop and hang out with my friends and get grandma's curry or whatever it is. And I want to be an amazing androgynous fashion icon battling demons in a desert hellscape. Yeah, I just want to go to a flower store. So. <laughs> Did you not? Didn't we you have see his school? Uniform? Did you not see a, his school uniform with, the, with sick, the floral pattern going up the side? That was a pretty sick uniform. I, I don't yeah. like his haircut. When, when he when he's in like demon form, it's pretty sick. Got the long hair, but his bangs are all fucked up in regular form. It's is dumb. I get it. I, I see a stylist. See a stylist. I think he's cool. But let me tell you, Atlas released Shin Megami Tensei Four on Switch. Also, because that game is more interesting to, for to me for some reason. But <laughs> Fatal Frame. Fatal Frame. Cool. Fatal Frame. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's cool. People really like yeah. that game. I never played it. It is getting released on other consoles, which is surprising because yeah. Fatal I thought... Frame ma- Made in the Black Water. It's not a new Fatal Frame. It's it's the it, it is the Wii U Fatal Frame. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, the nin- one that famously had the big uh, censorship scandal thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nintendo actually owned the release license to Fatal Frame, and but now that it's releasing on other consoles, they might have given it back to uh, Koei Tecmo, which is interesting and unexpected. Yeah. It, it looks it looks cool. It's you know it's not a new game. So there's not much new to say about it, but 
it seems to me that there it is another example of the Switch uh, being a great home for games that relied on the Wii U gamepad gimmick that can now be done with the same gyro on the um, like handheld version of the Switch. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, there's a lot of those. Um, <laughs> come on, bring back uh, bring Zombie U. Re-release Zombie U. Come they on. They did. They did? Yeah, they put it on other consoles, too. Did they leave the U in the title? No, it's now it's just Zombie with an I. Oh, that's so stupid. It's so you know, dumb. You, you, you have to add something. You can't just cut one of the letters. Yeah, yeah. You can't. <laughs> that's so um, stupid. Nolan, you got pretty excited when Advanced Wars showed up. I did. I did. It's going to be a re-release on Switch of Advanced Wars 1 and 2, which were Game Boy Advance strategy games. But listener, do some homework for me right here. Go look up Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp. That's the name of this. And then open a second tab and go look up Advance Wars 1. And tell me I'm wrong. This game looks demonstrably more boring it, graphically. The Absolutely. Art is, the yeah. art is worse. It's it's bland um, compared to the beautiful 32-bit sprite work that is almost reminiscent of like a simpler metal slug in the original one. Yeah, to these sort of like like Hasbro blocky models, it's just a weird move. It's a damn shame too because people are really ex- people really like those games. I never got around to playing them personally, but I, I know a lot of people who were very excited when they saw Advance Wars pop up. So yeah, hopefully this I game would, satiates them. I would say more, but like we got a, we got a big one that I actually do want to spend some time talking about with the three of us here. Alex and I were both wrong about this one. He yep. said that it would come out this year for sure. I said they no. wouldn't even show it. Yes, you did. In the last episode, you said this game would come out holiday season. I said they wouldn't show it. They did show it, and it's probably not even going to come out next year. I didn't year, say it would come out they... holiday season. I said it would come out quarter this quarter, which is like for Nintendo is like spring, like next mm. year. That was Listen, my prediction. You know what it is. You know what it is. Yeah, just go back and listen to that old episode. It's Breath of the Wild too. What What did you think when you saw this trailer, Nolan? Give us Give us some more information. I think that Breath of the Wild Two looks beautiful because they're going back to Skyward Sword's floating island concept, and it looks even more ghibli than Breath of the Wild One did in terms of of art direction. Yeah, it, it looks really pretty. What stood out to me is the tease of some really. Um, I don't want to use the word strange, but like some some very unique new abilities. They had something where Link was sort of becoming like non-corporeal and going through solid objects. And he would sort of come back out as if he had just turned into a ghost and gone through the walls. You remember he came out in like a puddle yeah, of water yeah, yeah, up yeah. on top? I don't even know what that was about. I'm assuming there's some way you can fly in this because you need to be able to get up into the sky. So they might have some kind of wing, like wingsuit or something they haven't revealed. I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I, I mean, adding adding that much of a uh, vertical dimension to Breath of the Wild seems like a fucking fantastic idea to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I... No, I- I never really liked the first one, but I always thought it would be a good blueprint for a second one. Yeah. And this looks really cool. I really like Link's look at the beginning. I love the way his hair looks when he's when he's falling. It's um, so cool. It's, it's really a cool. Wonderful animation. His his design on the ground is 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 pretty much the same. Um, but he looks so great in, in flight. Mm-hmm. And it looks like uh you know, it's it's really tough to gauge from this trailer where where this is going to be in terms of story continuity um if it's supposed to be the same 
part of Hyrule, but broken up by some kind of curse that makes things float, or because the castle looks the same, or or if it's some new part. I don't. I don't know. I my theory is that it's some sort of like mirror world. But that Ooh. being said, I really hope it's not just a lot of the same maps and locations and ideas from the first game. I'd like to see new stuff. The the fact that it's very yeah. vertical is exciting to me. I'd also like to see like less shrines and more quote unquote dungeons. I, I, I would not, agree with that, yeah. I am not super versed in Zelda, but to my understanding, like, you know, it's instead of having a bunch of mostly worthless little shrines that are scattered around the map, have a handful of intricate dungeons instead. I think that would be a much better 100% that is either um, players' favorite thing about Breath of the Wild or the one thing that keeps them from loving it Mm -hmm. is is the shrines. Um, Because they were a great, a really great way to sort of keep content flowing in bite-sized chunks and reward exploration at all turns. But the sacrifice came absolutely in a kind of like structure and pace was was robbed from that game. Yeah, um, I, I, agree. I I would absolutely think that they could do something better than the divine beasts, which were uh, they were interesting. They were not great. They were so just maybe they were all they all looked the same, and none yep. of them lasted that long. They were just kind of boring. I think. Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of fun when they said, we have one last thing to announce, and then it was Hyrule Warriors, and then they brought Eiji Aonuma, and he was like, actually, we have three more things to show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen... N- Nintendo is so far beyond the, actually, one more thing trick that they had to do that trick what? and no, then that psych us the out. They had to do that trick and psych us out of that trick afterwards. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was like a double, reverse, triple punch from Eiji Aonuma. It was. Yeah. <laughs> the, the game and watch looks pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's There's a game and watch with uh, Zelda One, Two, and Link's Awakening, and also um, you can play as Link in a game and watch game called Vermin now, which is pretty cute. Yeah, yeah. great. Have fun yeah. with that. I Enjoy. love. You can use it as a clock too, which, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. It is called Game and Watch, so you have to have a watch on it. That's yeah. that's the law. So yeah, that pretty much covers Nintendo. And then, you know, the next one, chronologically, is actually the first thing of E3 I watched this year. I think you two know, right? Yeah, we were we were gone. We were at graduation. Yep. Yep. Came back on the night of the Microsoft Bethesda conference and, uh, gotta say, opened pretty strong. It opened very strongly. Tell me about it, Nil. We saw some Starfield. Todd talked to me. Todd talked to me. Directly I went, to you. Todd, Todd. Todd, Todd, because we haven't seen him in two years because he's uh-huh. afraid of the internet. Um, he says it's the Skyrim of space. Which is kind of what I think we would have thought if he had never yep. said anything about Starfield. Yes. Right. But we got a release date. Forgot it. It's 11-11-22. Do you trust it? Um, that's far enough off that I do, because I think they really want to hit that 11-11 again. Okay. I think that what they shouldn't have fucking done is have said it's it's almost 10 years since skyrim and and have the fucking audacity to just merely say we're still working on the next elder scrolls game show me a wolf show me a fucking wheel of cheese just show me a pixel and i'll be happy i just want to see a fucking pixel so we didn't see that but we we did see see starfield and you know, it looks like space game. We didn't see very much of it. We saw they like a short trailer. They didn't show gameplay. They basically showed a, a uh, trailer of a character sort of doing a startup sequence on a spacecraft and then um, another shot of a character entering a space habitat. 
And it was just enough, I think, to give us a little bit of a view of the aesthetic, which I think the main thing I would take away from it, I don't know if anyone else felt this way, but I was a little bit surprised to see how, um, for lack of a better phrase, like rudimentary sci-fi Starfield looks to be, um, rather than being the kind of Mass Effect Mm -hmm. uh, glossy space opera or the Star Wars kind of gritty universe thing. It looks like it doesn't even appear to be going for a kind of like far-flung established space universe. It very much had like an early first foray into space in clunky like Earth-built spacecraft type vibe. More like an, like an Apollo mission look, you know what I mean? Which, if that is what this turns out to be, that's a lot more interesting to me than a Mass Effect yeah, type thing. Very, I agree. Like, I absolutely uh, agree. It, it it almost felt like it had like a like a pioneer vibe, like you're gonna explore the unknown, uncharted stars. Which is I I didn't I 100% expected this trailer to be like somebody docking at a space station with like a nightclub and a bunch of space cops or some shit. This is feels very unique to me. Yeah, and it was cool to have them say officially that they finished working on their new engine too. Yeah, creation two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Finally, no more game Bryo engine. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'm really happy that we saw it. I think it's funny that they just showed it right away so that people wouldn't keep freaking out. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to find out more about it. Did you uh, hear about the paint scratch? The what? What? Did you guys hear about the paint scratch? No. Uh, no. Okay, so there, there's like a uh, trailer analysis going around where um, somebody took a frame in the beginning when the camera is panning through the uh, cockpit interior of the space rover and there's a sort of conspicuous like scratch in the paint on uh, one of the one of the sort of like reinforcing bars of the rover part mm-hmm. of the cockpit and it matches the shape of the borders of Hammerfell almost exactly <laughs> so people are thinking that they're sort of slyly announcing the location of Elder Scrolls Six, which of course was already the rumored location. Yeah, but um, you know when Skyrim came out, everyone was like, "Well, the next one's in Elsewhere," because the cats always talk about where right. they came from. So. Yeah, yeah. But that's funny. It seems you know I. It's like a little too conspicuous to be an accident because uh, there's not. It's not like they picked out like cherry picked one scratch. It's it's the only blemish on the surface. So okay, that's kind of cool. I'll that's interesting. To it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of fun. And then they showed Stalker Two, which, uh, listener, I want credit for this because I think like twenty episodes ago, I I made a joke where I said, since there's a trilogy of Stalker games and none of them have numbers, it would be hilarious if they released a new Stalker game and called it Stalker Two <laughs> and decanonized all of the other sequels. Um, are the other sequels bad? Like, are they not well received? They they are. Uh, the third, I think, one called Clear Sky. I think is the third game. is is sort of the black sheep. But um, people like all of them. Uh, I mean, this wouldn't decanonize them. But I, I just think it's really funny to release the fourth game in your series and call it two. And uh, I I I called this one. <laughs> are you are you excited for it? Yeah, uh, yeah I I am. I like Stalker, uh, but the Stalker games are, are old enough and janky enough that I have a really hard time getting into them um, because they require a desperate amount of modding to, to, to be functional. And that's fun. You know, it, it's, it's somebody can tell you, this game is the best experience on Steam if you put on this mod and this mod and add this shader <laughs> yeah. and change this INI file. And, and you can do all that, and it's great. 
but then it takes up 80 gigabytes and once you get tired of playing it, you delete it and then you go, oh, I want to play Stalker again, but you don't want to do all that again. Mm-hmm. So Stalker has never been something I've been able to really give my time to. So if this game could just come out and be cool and be like functional and the Stalker experience they wanted to make, but with the money they needed to make it, I'm, I'm there. I'll play it. Hell yeah. Does anyone else care about Stalker? I'm, yeah, I think it looks cool. Yeah, yeah. same, yeah. same. I'm kind of interested in it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And Alex, um, the next one, I think, really, it, this this is on this is on you. Yeah, this, this is, is an a, Alex. One. This is a weird one. Um, so Sea of Thieves is a is a rare game. It's like a kind of a game, kind of a game to the service. Kind of walks that line, and it's gotten even closer now that they're like selling battle passes. Um, but it's a game that I really enjoyed. A lot of people didn't because they were like, we want a story, we want. Uh, like, more stuff to do that is not just, like, go from point A to point B, fetch quests, right? And the trailer, I'll, I'll, I'll paint the scene for you. They're, you know, they're in, like, a, some sort of pirate prison, and somebody does... you remember that scene in, uh... Actually, well, Janelle, you might know. In, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, I don't remember if this was in the movies, but there's, like, mm-hmm. he's, like, whistling to the dog to give him a bone for the, the key. And I was like, sure, oh! Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a cute reference. And then... He turns around and it's Jack Sparrow from the fucking Disney movie, and I was like, okay, sure. Why yeah, but not? they 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 even do a coy thing where he's like, I'm Captain Jack Sparrow, and then he comes like steps out into the light and looks at the camera, and he's like, but you probably already knew that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it it looks like it's just more story content for Sea of Thieves, which is which is cool. I think that game is is underrated. Um, I'm curious to see how this plays out. It's supposed to be like a free update for the game. Um. We'll, we'll we'll revisit the idea of Disney later, but this is this is an interesting interesting thing I think. We will. Oh yeah, there's a couple Disney games I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, okay. And then next is Psychonauts two. They didn't really show a whole lot of Psychonauts two, and it definitely looks a little rough. I feel like um, not that Psychonauts has ever really been like a gorgeous revolutionary looking game. It's always that's kind of its art style is also to look a little goofy and weird. Um, but I'm going to keep my eye on uh, Psychonauts because I, I did enjoy that first game. And I've been, people have been waiting for this one for a long time. So, fingers crossed. Yeah. Janelle, did you want to talk about Party Animals? You seemed excited when we talked about it last. This game looks so fucking cute. So good. It's another one where Nolan called the thing because he's like, I bet it's going to be called Party Animals. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was. Um... I've never played Gang Beasts, but it looks like Gang Beasts. So much like Gang Beasts. Like, Nolan kept saying it was probably going to be like another Gang Beasts. But yeah, it looks like a simpler Gang Beasts. Yeah, it looks really cute. I um, I don't know. I don't have like a lot of interesting stuff to say about it other than I'm really excited at the prospect of playing this on stream with you guys sometime. Yeah, That'd if be you fun. don't like... If you hadn't seen the trailer, listener, it's like a, uh, like a physics-based uh, sort of party brawler like you are playing is a bunch of different animals and your moves are all only grapples. Like you would just push a button to grab and you could just pick someone up and like throw them into a furnace or throw them off a building or whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I actually was, I was surprised it wasn't literally gang beasts too. You're right. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it looks the same. To I think me, it's um, spiritually, I think it's spiritually yeah. gang beasts too, because gang beasts, uh, kind of, kind of shit the bed after a while, I think. And so this is like a, supposed yeah. to be a return to form. Um, now, we got, speaking of Return to Form, yeah, well, possibly say. possibly a Return to Form, we got uh, Halo Infinite. We got some new Halo Infinite stuff, and I, I, haven't, I, I didn't play Halo 5, I didn't finish Halo 4, I don't think any of us at all can comment on 
what was really the focus of uh, Halo Infinite's time at E3, which was a guns, a pretty protracted story trailer um, yeah. about some kind of new AI it was, that's not Cortana, and it was a whole thing. Well, and, Nolan, did you know weird, that there's going to be multiplayer like in this Halo game? Yeah, but so they they showed that, and I uh, don't understand. I don't understand, first of all, how Master Chief is still alive. The story ended in Halo 3, as far as I'm concerned, and they, and they just kept making them. But uh, what what is interesting to me is uh, that the multiplayer of Halo Infinite is going to be a separate game, kind of. They They basically said, the first clue at the end of the trailer, they basically said, Halo Infinite's epic story campaign and its multiplayer mode will both be launching this fall, which I thought was kind of Next weird. Fall. Next fall. Yeah. I thought was kind of weird until they followed it up by saying, okay, yeah, multiplayer is going to be a separate free-to-play client yep. with a battle pass, and the story campaign is going to be the content that you pay for. I'm curious and, to see how uh, that's going to work. That's pretty cool that's pretty cool yeah i think yeah i'm very curious to see how well that's gonna work they did talk about with the battle passes that it's like there's no fomo involved it's like you pay for it and then you can like toggle between them and get them at any time which i think is a really nice compromise um i I gotta say to any listener out here who kept track of the halo infinite controversy you go to twitter us or email us your opinions because i'm frankly confused I watched the first Halo Infinite reveal back when that happened, and I thought that the art style was cool because it looked like they were going back to, you know, it's nowhere near cell shaded, but they were going back to a very simple texture, um, simple, like, clean lighting, uh, almost like a cartoonish sort of, like, devolution of the game's graphics as opposed to the hyper-realism they've been going for. I thought it was clean as hell, really attractive to me. I didn't realize people thought the game looked terrible until all of the memes started happening. I still think Halo Infinite looks good. Yeah, so do I. Was, was this trailer a better looking Halo Infinite, or is it the same and we all three still just think that it looks good? Yeah. I, I don't really know, so I'm listener, I'm curious. If you saw this, do you feel that it was an upgraded version? I don't know. A give philosophical a, question for the ages. Give, give us an email. Yeah. I, I didn't think the Brute looked honestly that bad. Thought y'all really overblew that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. You want to talk um, about yeah. Ratwave? Yeah, Nolan and I played a little bit of Plague Tale Innocence. We didn't put it down for any reason other than we just did, and we'll pick it back up eventually. It was fun. Eh, it's on PC, and we, we didn't have a good speaker to play it on. It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Yeah. But it's it was fun what we played, and they Beautiful announced game. a second one. Um, it looks like it follows the same two characters, and that's cool. I don't know enough about it because I didn't finish the first one, but I'm excited because I liked it the first time I played it. And it's really funny that they make flight sim when they're not making rat games. Rat game. They're, all so. I know about this game is that there was a rat tsunami at one point. It like sweet. It's like sweeps yeah. around like water. This little like medieval alleyway. It was very funny. I liked it a lot. I know that realistically, Asobo Interactive almost undoubtedly has two separate um, portions of their dev dev team. No. One of which is probably still continuously working on flight sim at all times. But I like to imagine that they spent all of their money making Plague Tale, and then they made Flight Sim to finance the next chapter. <laughs> like, we gotta make Flight Sim it's on the back burner so we can make this new big rat hit Plague game. <laughs> oh, that's, on it. that's their passion, is rats. 
Yeah. Before I realized what the next game was, I thought, this looks like an Alex game. <laughs> it is an Alex game. It's the sequel yeah. to uh, of one of my favorite games, I think, uh, Slime Rancher. This is Slime Rancher 2. It is, if you've never heard of Slime Rancher, it is uh, sort of a Harvest Moon farming game with uh, first-person shooter controls. Like, you have a, like, uh, they call it a vac gun or a vac pack that you use to suck up little, like, sentient little slime balls. And you make them happy and feed them and harvest their uh, their little plorts, I think they call them, for money. Plorts? Oh, I hate that. Plorts? You don't like plorts? Plor- I don't like how it sounds when you say it plorts. or when I think about it or when I say it. Yeah. Um, but it's very, very cute. It's very good. Um, I'm very excited for Slime Rancher 2. Even if it looks like it's just more of the same Slime Rancher, I just want more of the same Slime Rancher. Like, I sign me the fuck up. I am down. That's awesome. It looks really cute. It's so good. It's so you should play the first game at some point. It is it is very very good. We gotta pick some of these games and uh, w- you know when we have more time come back and do episodes on some of these because I feel bad just sort of loading our Emerald Games Cast machine gun and, and firing around a minute on this. But yeah. that's what happens when it's, they don't do the correct thing and only have, like, five conferences. I know, yeah, but yeah. we pretty much got to. Uh, the next one is Atomic Heart, which is a game that actually got revealed several months ago. If you guys remember, there was a, a, a cinematic trailer. Several that years ago, Atomic right? Heart. Yeah, several. Yeah, yeah, like quite a while ago. And it's, it's a game set... It looks like in sort of the fallen Soviet bloc where you're 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 fighting a bunch of uh, very weird, inventive robot sort of like pulp, pop sci-fi monsters. I get uh, a Bioshock vibe from it, kind of. I, yeah, I get a very. It reminds it, like three references off the top of my head is like Bioshock, Fallout, We Happy Few. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, it's a very mm-hmm. that sort of genre of uh, sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know about you guys. When this trailer came out, it looked so inventive and so good and so far along in development in terms of the cinematic, which of course is not representative, Mm -hmm. um, that I instantly thought this game will never, this game is vaporware. This game will never come out. (laughs) It it, it just gave off that vibe. Yeah. So I'm shocked to see it reappear at E3. (laughs) I don't know why. I, I, I cannot explain to you why a game with a trailer shadow dropping that looks polished and good gives off vibes of never comes out, but it does for some reason. Well, because we've been you burned know? so many times before, right? It's like, yep. you know, you got to learn to not, you got to learn to not take it at face value. So especially when said, it's a developer and a publisher you haven't heard of. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. yeah. That being said, I am very curious about Atomic Heart. I'm going to keep my eye on it, but I'm also not going to go and claim that I'm that excited for it, if that makes sense. Yep. I, w- sure. I want it yes. to be good, but I am not going to immediately buy into the marketing here. But listener, you should look at the trailer. It's a very interesting trailer, um, yes. and it's 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 only one of like six games set in Chernobyl that <laughs> yeah. came out this E3. So. <laughs> yeah, oh god, there were so many. <laughs> there were so many. Yeah, um, yeah. Next up, Outer Worlds Two. Hell yeah! Do you I sound do, very excited? Yeah, do I, I didn't care. You didn't I like the first, the first one, one though, right? Yeah, yeah. Did either of you want to talk about it? Because I think you two talked about I it and played, had more thoughts about it than I did. I played Outer Worlds. Um, I liked Outer Worlds pretty well. It's a it's a pretty good um, sort of take on the Fallout formula. Um, but it's not Obsidian's best work. I, I felt that a lot of the writing in Outer Worlds and the setup was, was a little bit... Um, Surface level is the wrong word. It just felt like they were trying some things out, and not all of them landed. Uh, but a lot of them landed really fucking well. 
there was a couple of companion characters whose quests in Outer Worlds were were downright fantastic, but there were also several whose were just bland. So basically, I, I bring that all up to say Outer Worlds feels like a low-budget game of a developer trying out a concept, and, it, and it's one of those games that you play and you go, I sure hope this gets a sequel to see if they can do all of this better, and this game has a good chance of being that. Um, but, you know, because the first game didn't hold me to the finish, I'm not, like, super hyped, but I'm, I'm very optimistic. You know, I will say, I normally don't like the, like, self-deprecating humor in, like, video game advertisements, but I really liked this trailer. Yeah, it was funny. It was yeah. really funny. Yeah. It landed very well for me. It, it was it was funny. I, I think that, like, humor about, like, the Inception-style trailer is a little bit overdone at this point, but this... For some reason, it was it was charming enough to work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I am largely indifferent on it, but I did see a, several people on Twitter be like, "Fuck you, you can't call it out," and then also do that. And then when they saw it was Outer Wilds <laughs> too, they were like, "Oh, never mind, this slaps." <laughs> like that's <laughs> oh, all it took. Okay. It's okay. Wait a second, guys. Okay. Yeah, um, Outer Worlds is a is a very self aware, funny, jokey game, um, but it's not uh, that about video. It's not like a self aware video game humor game. It's like about capitalism. So it's sort of an interesting, dark, uh, you know, like Fallout was thematically about imperialism, but it wasn't like having characters go like, wow, I'm the wacky zany colonialism, man, I'm going to kill a native. But <laughs> that's kind of like what Outer Worlds is like. Mm-hmm. So I, my personal request is that maybe Obsidian tone that down a little bit and try to make the jokes smarter than just like lampshading yeah, tropes, sense. because that's kind of boring. But anyways... <laughs> Uh, last up for, uh, this was really interesting, I thought. Last up for Microsoft was mm-hmm. a new IP. That was their one last, that was their one more thing, which is not a thing that usually happens. It is a new arcane game called Redfall. Nolan and Janelle, you two are very big arcane fans. So do you have any thoughts on this, or? Nolan, you first. Um, you know, I, I think that we didn't see any gameplay, so it's, it's a little bit hard to judge. Um, on the face of it, I really like the idea of what Redfall is, which is like a four-player co-op shooter with sort of Dishonored-style-looking powers uh, where you're fighting hordes of vampires. Um, but I'm sensing hesitancy in your voice now, and I and I think I might be able to sympathize with you because something about the specific theming of Redfall sort of... I, I, I don't know. It, it didn't... It felt a little bit affected to me yeah, it didn't land with me it didn't land with me and how many like four person co-op funny shooters have we had um and this one didn't particularly strike my fancy as being super interesting i'm excited to see what they do with the powers but um you know the, my the, face looks like i ate something that tasted really weird like i'm i'm like eh, the over gameplay, here you know our our arcane is very good at, at at systems they're very good at systemic interaction personally i would prefer that arcane games just stick to single player because what they are good at doing is intricate world building and delivering you a story in subtle ways and as anyone that has played a game with their friends knows if a multiplayer game isn't spoon-feeding you the story and world-building like a baby idiot child, you literally will not <laughs> even notice it. Because in a multiplayer game, subtlety can't, can't, cannot exist because yeah. you're not paying attention to anything. Unless that's just a problem that me and my friends have. 
<laughs> I think it's um, I think it's a little a little b, right? Hunt. Yeah, it's a little a little b. Uh, well, the hunt is different because you're not supposed to talk during the hunt. Fair so you enough. You sort of get enough. in a you get in a zone, you yeah. know. Um, and I also think, to be fair, in their defense, we're all a little bit spoiled by Left for Dead because uh, Left for Dead One and Two, in my opinion, are absolute all time master classes in terms of visual design, world building, and aesthetics in a multiplayer shooter without being overwhelming to the point where, like, the identity of those games will never leave my brain. And part of what makes it work, because, again, it's a chaotic multiplayer environment, is the simplicity and readability and the instant, uh, like, you can interpret situations at a, at a snap of a finger. Every single character having separate Dishonored-style powers and all of the enemies having crazy arcane powers as well seems to me to run the risk of overcomplicating and muddying the experience to the point where it just is going to be a bunch of stuff flying around on screen. So I'm not totally sold on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally. am kind of with you guys where it's like, yeah. oh, this seems kind of neat, but it's also like a cinematic trailer. It doesn't tell me anything. It's like, yeah. this doesn't feel like arcane. Um, I did see a lot of people talk about how happy they were that like the four playable characters are all distinctly not white. Uh, yeah. They were very, very yeah, excited yeah. about that. That's really cool. Um, I didn't think it was like, I didn't think, I was never annoyed by the the humor they had in the trailer. It seemed like an interesting premise. I'm going to keep, this is another game that I'm going to keep my eye on, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I want to try it when it comes out with Absolutely. everyone. Absolutely, yeah. Because first of all, it'll it will be on, be on Game, game Pass. Pass. Yeah, yeah, So that'll right. be easy for us to play. <laughs> if, if there is, no, if nothing else, this uh, Microsoft uh, announcement trailer thing was an amazing ad for Game Pass. Yes, it was. Oh, it was a great reminder that despite them saying they want to bring gaming to everyone, that is not true. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I said this like when the announcement happened. Like they didn't mm-hmm. spend a like a billion dollars to release uh, Bethesda games on other platforms, right? Like they want this yeah. to be an exclusive thing, uh, um, which I think sucks. Know, but you know, that's business. Before we move out of Microsoft, I know that nobody listed it on the document, and probably we only have like one listener that cares. So I'm not going to say a lot about it, but. I think Forza Horizon 5 looks really fun. It does. Oh, yeah. I, think the, I forgot to put that on there, actually. Thank you. I think that the Mexico setting is really cool. Um, I liked... I don't know I, I don't know how much your guys is like... For me, it's like sports games. My eyes glaze over. I don't pay attention to the to the trailer. I, I don't know if how much people were like watching the Forza thing. But at one point, they did show that the um, world is populated with art from, uh, you know real uh real life current mexican like street artists and stuff they they got to uh do art within the game world and they also made them collectibles so you can sort of pull over the car and pull out a camera and get a picture of the art and whatnot and um I saw... they have tried to sort of set each of these in a uh, uh you know quote-unquote authentic if not highly idealized like mexican village and it, it seems very very interesting and, and beautiful it's really pretty it's yeah. so pretty i saw jeff gerstman uh, of giant bomb fame talk about something that never occurred to me he was like i think it's really cool that they're showing a mexico that is not just like dirty yeah. and like yeah. it has that shitty filter and overrun by drug yeah. cartels you know it's like this is a this is a mexico that is beautiful that you can be proud of and it looks really, really gorgeous. I am. It's, I'm it's beautiful, and it's it's vibrant, and it's got snow and volcanoes and mm-hmm. shorelines and forests and jungles, and it's got what that part of the that part of the world is is, uh, you know, 
like bi- biologic is the wrong word. It, it's it's got a bunch of diverse biomes, and media only ever represents the border states um, and like the deserts on the border. Yeah, basically. yeah. It's it's really funny because despite the fact that this household is pro racing game, um, <laughs> we see this like we see this gorgeous game, like one of the prettiest games oh, God, ever, so and then. And then the fucking car pulls up, and we just started cracking up. It you were was like, really oh, funny. Man. It's like, okay, okay, of course. This isn't like some gorgeous game that you can walk around in. It's you show Forza. This, you show this in an in, in incredible-looking cactus, and I'm like, anything could happen. A cowboy could walk out. Anything, <laughs> anything could happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. And then a car drives up, and I'm like, no, it's, it's not Forza a Forza again. Game. No. Yeah. But, but it does look really cool. It How does, much then. money do you think they save by not having to, to bring out like a Bugatti on the that's stage? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> saying. That's why their game looks so fucking good. Yeah. They saved yeah. so much money with that. They now, spent it all on the game. Day one, technically not E3. I was, was going to say, yeah, first, technically this isn't E3, but we're talking but about it. the first day of Summer Game Fest, Summer Jeff Fest, <laughs> and who shows up? Hideo Kojima. Let me just say, before we talk about what's in Summer Games Fest, on the E3 Predictions episode released yesterday... Alex, yeah, Alex, famous Alex, Alex Ryan McKnight, infamously said Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest will get the will get the 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 shitty sandwich crust like carcass drippings off the table that nobody else wanted. Incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll take that L. Like this was pretty damn yes. good. That was a reasonable uh, assumption, but like Janelle, like, like you were saying. Well, this one's for you mostly, but it turns out we're getting a director's cut of Death Stranding. Can we talk yes. about that trailer? Can we talk about that trailer? Yes. yes. He's trying to sneak around in an indoor environment and he's looking around and he sees a box, a box full of oranges. And he empties out the orange box and he's like, the music swells and then he sits in it the wrong way. Like, so that the, he's like sitting in the box and can't move so anywhere. He's like, it's, like it's a little car. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he just look. he sort of looks around and is like, nah, never mind. And then just drops it. That was such a Kojima also, trailer. I loved that. He also looks at a um, like a prone height ventilation shaft with rats coming in and out of it, which Ooh, is the way I didn't that. Notice that. That's a good catch. So in MGS One, that game was top down, so you couldn't see vents um, because they weren't in in the view. So the way that that game let you know there were vents was they had rats going in and out at all times. So if you could see that, you'd go to first person view and, and crouch. So there was all kinds of little references. The box being full of oranges, you know, you might think the orange box, but it's actually a reference to, in Metal Gear Solid 2, the box that Snake uses says the orange yep, yep. on it. Um, and there were all kinds of little things like that. The way that the guards moved, the, like, they had a top-down shot, with just like MGS1. I mean, it was such a freaking tease. I thought we'd be getting a crossover or something. I had no yeah. idea, but this was better. You know, yeah. I want to say really quickly... I know that Nolan has been accused before on this podcast of having like Stockholm syndrome when it comes to Hideo Kojima, and I people think, "Hang on!" and people think he's a bad writer. I don't agree with that, and I think that him having a few moments to talk about the climate that we're in right now and how that was creators cool. really need to think about what they're doing proves that Nolan has always been fucking right. That Kojima is a masterful writer who gives a lot of a shit, despite that people, despite the fact that people think he's an idiot for no reason. I'm really excited for what he does next. He didn't announce anything, but he was like, you know, he was he's he's working on something. Oh, of course, and that's yeah. really exciting. You're my you're my podcast bodyguard. I got you. You got my back. But I also got good. Kojima. I yeah. want Kojima to live in my house. Oh wow. We have no room for you, Kojima. But you know, give us a call. 
I love the man, and I, I really did appreciate what um, he said about the creative climate, but I also think it's really funny that he mentioned 9-11 twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but that that's... It makes sense, man. Think about it. Back in 2001, he was about to release a game that ends with New York City getting hit by a massive terrorist attack and crumbling skyscrapers, and he had to cut that out because it happened months later. And then in... 2020, he's or 2019, he releases a game about a deadly, uh, invisible threat sending all of society into hiding and disconnecting them, and then that happened a couple months later. So, <laughs> this guy has a history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, they brought Jeff Goldblum on stage, who's just a fucking weirdo, and was like making fun of Jeff's name. He was like, "Oh, your Jeff is spelt the wrong way. It's not this." No, that's mean. Never mind. Continue. Okay. His ears looked fake. His ears Jeff, looked fake. Jeff Goldblum's Jeff ears? Jeff Goldblum's ears oh. looked like like he was like he was guest starring in a Lord of the Rings production, but <laughs> forgot to like take off the elf ears. It was weird. I think I you didn't know what? You, that shouldn't, at all. you shouldn't feel bad because I, I think that Jeff Goldblum would crack up at that if you said that to him. And he's person. such a such weirdo a to so many people. Thank we can, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's such a weirdo yeah. that we can we can call him out on things, and I'm sure it'll be like, he'd be like, <laughs> yeah. I saw a trailer for Metal Slug Tactics, and uh, I didn't see any slugs. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of metal, a lot of guns, no, uh, no slugs. You know. I gotta say this Chivalry Two game, it's. Uh, it doesn't look like a whole lot of manners in that one. <laughs> uh, red fall. It seems like they don't want the red to fall because they're uh, fighting the vampiric <laughs> enemies. Uh, can, I really do, can you really take uh, you have left for dead? That one's already out there. So, this one has a four in the middle too. That gets a little bit derivative. I Alex, think. Alex, uh, why was he there? Why was he there at this? <laughs> uh, but he came out and was like, "We're making a new Jurassic World game. Uh, Jurassic World Evolution Two. That's a game that is very flawed, but I really enjoyed. It is by Frontier, the same people that made uh, that spaceship game Nolan talked about the other day, uh, Elite Dangerous. Um, oh. This is sort of like a park builder, so think like Zoo Tycoon or uh, what's that game called? Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Park Operation Genesis was a game I grew up with. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm very interested to see if they change it up or like what they're going to do to improve it, because that game did have some very serious issues that weren't fixed until later on. Um, you know how I found out about this? How's that? Not from watching it. It was, I was at work at my video game store, and my coworker was on her break, and she's in the back, and and she collects dinosaur games. Those are the only games she plays. <laughs> and she starts screaming. <laughs> and she's, she's back there going like, yeah, yes, oh my god. And the customers were like, what the fuck is happening? And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And she was like, oh, some of these aren't accurate, but that's okay. I'm so fucking excited. I mean, it's, yeah, and, yeah. And it, she was so hype man for this game. I'm very happy for her. I, I'm happy like, for her, too. Because I, I am also very interested in this game, um, I ho- and I hope it's good, but we will see. Uh, next is a weird one, too. Uh, Metal Slug Tactics. Yeah! That's, it is, it is like Final Fantasy Tactics, but with a Metal Slug skin, and it looks exactly gorgeous. Exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, it's the same guys who are making the, uh, who made the Streets of Rage game, and are making the, uh... Oh, I forgot the name of it. Oh my god, the, the new Windjammers game, Windjammers 2, mm-hmm. uh, .emu. I'm very curious to see how this turns out. As much as I'd like a traditional Metal Slug, I'm curious about this game. I you know hope what it's I good. found out this week? What's that? Despite the fact that I'm on a video game podcast, working in a video game store, like video games, I always thought it was about a Metal Slug. Did you really? I, yes, I did. I didn't know. I thought it was about a fucking, like, 
metal slug, like a slug in armor, like a metal slug. I don't know. I found I, out the hard way that it's a lot more boring than that. This reminds me yeah. of the time that I put on full metal jacket and about three quarters of the way through the movie, you asked, but they're all wearing vests. That <laughs> made of canvas. Pri- private pile comes in and goes, it's a full metal jacket as he's Janelle, polishing the gun. Janelle, Janelle said, Janelle said, a metal jacket doesn't seem very wouldn't wouldn't breathe very well. Not none a lot of None of this flex. is true. None of them are He's wearing making jackets. All of this, none of this happened. Yeah, I mean they're, they're going in, to Vietnam. Fact, that ones, sounds very uncomfortable. None of this happened. Jackets are they're not made of metal. I'm frankly quite confused. Southeast Asia is pretty hot and humid. It's like why would you wear a jacket made of metal? That just seems like a I shock. Don't I don't think know. that this movie Jarheads would be about the war. I don't get the reference to the jar. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one. Can we move on, you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Two Point Campus is a game made by or that, published that is a by Sega. Completely fair thing to think, for the record. I, I, I don't. Metal Slug would be so much cooler if it were about a slug. Yeah. I know. It's it's <laughs> a, it's about the guns. Um, it's about the guns. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it uh, shouldn't be. Two Point Campus is coming out. That is a game where you make and run a school in a little like city builder style game, uh, which seems cool. I'm interested in that. Um, Chivalry Two. Yeah. Is, that seems cool. Were you into Chivalry, Janelle? I didn't realize you yeah. were. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. But, like, back when it first came out, um, and I didn't get to play it a ton because my, I think I have, like, 60 hours in that game or something. Mm-hmm. My laptop could barely run it, so I could only play it sometimes, but I loved that game and just fell off of it for some reason. But I'm excited. I love that game. I find games like that a lot easier than, like, shooters. I'm so fucking excited. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's good. I remember people talking about how, like, Chivalry 1 was, like, broken, and, like, you could, like, there was some sort of weird glitch that was, like, baked into the game that they couldn't remove and just made it not fun. So, we'll see. Um, Yeah. Back for Blood is Left for Dead, and that's fine, because Left for Dead is rad. See, nobody's excited about this game. I am. I am. I mean, like, I'm hearing a lot of people, like, at work, people were saying, like, I don't give a shit. It's not. It's not the Live for Dead guys, but like it is the Live for Dead guys. But it is. But it is. And like like all of the stuff Nolan was saying about Left for Dead a minute ago, it's like, why aren't you also excited for this? Then it even has the four in it. You know what this reminds me of? It. it, There was a great thing that uh, Tim Rogers was saying on Twitter. It might have actually been in a video of his. I forget which. You know what? It was. It was in his um, um, Tokimeki Memorial video. He was talking about Bloodstained Curse of the Night. And he said something I think is so true. People are out there saying, oh man, I wish Koji Igarashi would go make a new Castlevania game. And he looked at the camera and he said, he did. It's called Bloodstained. (laughs) He did it. This is the original creator with his new vision. Like, there are great artists at Valve who are going to make a new Left 4 Dead. But this is the people. It's not like the company name isn't the developers. It's the people. That made the game, and this is what they're making. So, that is the pedigree. That being said, Valve has got some behind-the-scenes stuff that that they, they 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 know what's going on as well. But yeah, you know, I'll play it. I'll play it with you. Hell yeah! We only have three of us. We should we should lottery a listener spot in or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get, we get it would be great. You could like one out. Only like one of you would apply, and then you'd get in guaranteed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You guys have thoughts about Tunic, the next even, game on the docket? What is this? It's, uh, uh, you tweeted uh, about it's it. It's a Fox looking game. game. Yeah. Oh, yeah! Yeah! It looks so cute! It's so cute. I've been looking forward to this game for a while, yeah. 
There are so many fucking games and so many games know, with foxes that so I'm like, many. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, this looks really, really, really cute. Like twenty games with like foxes and as the characters. Uh, you know, why are you taking off your headset and walking away? What are you Alvin, doing? Alvin, ring. We <laughs> oh. saw it. We saw so much of it. She threw it on the floor. Her head sits on the floor. We saw so much of Elden Ring. And people are like, it looks like Dark Souls. Yeah. Yeah, that's what people want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. God, look at all these audio spikes. (laughs) It's the first first time I've ever been loud on the podcast. I'm so happy for you. I'm so... I'm so excited right now. You know what? Elden Ring looks (laughs) looks amazing from what they've shown. But I gotta say, isn't it kind of hilarious that all this time George R. R. Martin has been there, he was like, let's just do the same themes that you did already. Let's do, I like the ones that you already came up with, Hidetaka. We're going to go with them again. <laughs> but he has some of the monster designs in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm sw- yeah. I'm like, you guys. I some know the, everyone. Some of the, the boss monsters they yes. showed looked, oh, I'm so, I'm so excited. God, it's just, it's gorgeous and it looks Amazing, and I don't know what to say other than that because my fucking idiot smooth brain goes to slush whenever I think about this game, and it's coming out in what January? Yeah, yeah January, the end of January. It's one, one of the only things at all of E3 2021 that made me feel as excited as past E3s have made me feel. Yeah, it was like we've been waiting for this forever. Jeff Keighley's out of jail now. <laughs> he's he's no longer in gamer prison. Yeah. He's no longer in gamer he prison. He literally said that on stream. He's like, I'm not in jail anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, I know that members of this podcast have issues with Jeff Keighley, but I think we can all hopefully maybe agree like as content creators, if that's what you want to fucking call this, that seeing him, like, it's so cool to see a content creator get the big release announcement and he was like almost he looked so happy and that made me cry I just felt so happy for him I I think when Jeff Keighley has enough money to do what he wants to do he makes cool stuff and does cool stuff I think the issue is that he's got to fall back on like movie trailers and like weird like licensed things but yeah yeah, I agree with you I'm glad that he got this I'm glad he seems really happy about it it sounds like everyone it worked out for pretty much everyone and I'm kind of interested in this game I've been pretty critical of the Souls games in the past but I'm curious about this one, especially because it sounds like they are going for a Breath of the Wild style open world that you can tackle it's in any order and kind of sandbox it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested. I'm definitely interested in this. Isn't it? Isn't it funny how? No, I'm not saying that you're wrong for saying that, but it's kind of funny how like ever since Breath of the Wild games using open world tropes, people say that they're going for a Breath of the Wild direction. There's a very there's a very distinct feel to Breath of the Wild, there is. right? Like it is a very distinct feel, yeah. But I think the funny thing is like when games have hmm. hang gliders now. Oh, whenever God, anyone yeah. has like whenever whenever any game has like a float jump, people are like, Oh, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> people make fun of people make fun of saying this is the Breath of the Wild oh. of something, and people also make fun of this is the Dark Souls of something, and this we just fun. combined that. <laughs> yeah, we did, holy shit, you're right. That's that didn't amazing. Even can we... uh, what if Death Stranding Director's Cut has, like, a paraglider and a climbing mechanic? Oh, God. <gasps> Holy shit, though. What? That's exciting. <laughs> what? what? Like a paraglider and That would be actually That'd quite be re- fitting, like, up really, on the mountain Yeah, area. that would be yeah. really cool. Real um, quick, before I move on, I want to say how fucking funny it is that people think that what people liked about Breath of the Wild was that it had a hang glider, because now, like, every <laughs> game has a hang glider. <laughs> yeah, like, people don't realize, like, that was not the thing that made this game special, but okay, sure. Everyone goes, listen up, devs, 
ever since Nintendo discovered the solution to mobility in video games, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. using it. It's the only option. None other. And then Nintendo put a motorcycle in their game, and now everyone's like, shit, we already took all the vehicles out. Fuck, <laughs> who put them back in? Damn it. And now, now, now you can fly in Breath of the Wild 2. Everyone's going to do that again. You guys want to get wholesome? Yes. I want to get wholesome. Always. Alex, I know you didn't watch this, but in my opinion, and maybe Nolan can relate to this, I think overall it had the best content in the entire E3 weekend. I'll definitely go give it another look. Yeah, it, I've been, we've been kind of crushed for, time, crunched for time, so I'm excited to see it. This and I think the Microsoft one probably and Nintendo. Yeah. But this most of all, I think in terms of variety. I want to mention one thing before we go into wholesome because I forgot. I don't oh, want to yeah, say anything yeah. about it, but listener, I just remembered. Ayudin Chronicles oh was God, in yeah. uh, the Microsoft one, and also a spinoff game called Ayudin Rising. And I, I don't have time to talk about it, but I, I want you to know that that is my E3 game. That's the one. I can't wait for that. Anyways, back to wholesome. It looks great. I just want people to know that we 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 remember about that. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm sorry, listener. There are too many games There's for the many. like time slot we have we we do what we can to be wholesome but back to Um, what you're saying so there were like 70 plus games that they showed at this and i my this i feel like i this is like treading on thin ice but um i think that a problem i'm seeing in the mainstream indie scene is that a lot of these games look identical and that's not to like you know harsh on the creators or anything but there were like five games where you're a witch and you pick vegetables and you sell them to animals. And there were two different games where you make soup. Um, there were a lot of the games looked very similar. So by the end of it, I was like, nothing stood out anymore because we'd seen all of them 30 minutes ago already. Which is interesting because like all of them in a vacuum individually have it bursting like over the cup amounts of creativity. Yeah. They're all they're all very intriguing. It I think it is a sort of reverse cheerleader effect, for lack of a better phrase, of putting them all in a row seventy at a time. Yeah. Where you sort of get like the uniqueness sort of gets stripped away. But individually though. Individually they all looked great. Um teacup is gorgeous. I screamed. I was screaming like high pitched screaming because this game is so fucking beautiful i couldn't handle it um it's a game where you like have a tea shop and you collect things for your tea shop basically it's incredible nolan just left the list so i can't quickly move on to the next thing i'm back to it um i'm gonna go through these really quickly because they're all incredible and i think that instead of just listening to us talk about them you should just look these games up they're all amazing um you want to do the next one nolan this game called Unpacking stood out to me a lot. Uh, one thing that I think the indie scene does so well is finding unique ways to tell stories, um, sort of pushing the the envelope in terms of narrative games. The thing is, like you said, so many indie games end up looking the same that like what really stands out is when someone actually does find a new format, not just like trying another entry in a unique format. But this one looks totally new. Um, it is a game about literally like a bunch of boxes in an unfurnished room and you have to open the boxes and you know you'll take something out like a toothbrush and then okay take the toothbrush go over to the bathroom you know set it inside the vanity or whatever or you know you pull a shirt out and you hang it up and you're basically just unpacking a room but it's through one person's life at multiple stages of their life so like the first level would be in 1997 I think it said when they are unpacking their 
boxes for their college dorm, but then the next level is 2007 where they're unpacking for their second department or whatever. And you just sort of are learning about their life via the different things that they have kept or gotten rid of and whatnot. And um, I, I that is fascinating. Rem- I'm, I cannot wait to play it. It reminded me of the gameplay that I like the most in Florence, yeah. which I think I talked about on the podcast. Um, it just looks really good. And the art is wonderful. It's, 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 it's really high-density, high-detail pixel art. Yeah. Um, in a very impressive way, yeah. I, I forgot to put it on the list, but I want to quickly mention that there was this game, I unfortunately forgot what it's called, but he, the guy who made it came out with his grandma. A Walk with Yaya. A Walk with Yaya. Yeah. And it's about taking your grandma on a walk after she falls and is afraid to get back out there. Bawling. I was bawling. Literally, she was. I was just fucking bawling my eyes out. Because he came out and he was like, hi, I'm the developer of Walk With Gaia. This is my grandma. And then he was like, grandma, did you like the trailer? And she was like, it was very good. <laughs> it was really, really cute. <laughs> um, and that game looks yeah. really adorable. I know Alex is excited for the next one. Skateboard! I'm very into Skateboard. Skateboard is a game where you are a little, like, a little, like, finch-type bird, and you ride on a tech deck, and you do, like, skate tricks around, like, a table. It it looks very, very fun. They talked a lot about the accessibility options in this game, too, so it's it's supposed to be stylized like a Tony Hawk game or, like, a skate game, right? Um, But they talked about how, like, hey, they want to make it accessible for everyone to play, so there's, like, detailed options that you can go in and change and adjust if you, you know want a longer window to be able to do stick inputs for tricks, um, things like that. Very, very into Skatebird. Uh, excited to, to finally get to play it when it comes out. Been looking forward to this game for a while. Um, keep an eye on it if you like cute games or games about skating or birds or anything. Birds don't need a skateboard. They have wings. And it's I'm excited tired. for it, you too. Get, you get tired when you fly everywhere. No Cayenne, no? I originally wanted to go to grad school for yokai and folklore studies, so yeah. naturally I am extremely fucking into yokai-in, which just looks like a mix between yokai folklore and Stardew Valley, and it looks amazing. You are running a little rural village uh, inn, like a little hotel, but your your uh, clientele are all Japanese spirits and uh, folklore monsters, and it's got this this beautiful isometric pixel art. And um, it's beautiful. Just looks incredibly relaxing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited to see more of this game. This game is like in my top five games that I saw at E3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, me too. I, absolutely, it, it's, it's very very pretty. Behind the frame was one they showed next. Don't got a lot to say about it. It also looks very pretty. It's a it's a hand animated game narrative adventure um, where you are an artist and it has some kind of painting mechanic where you can sort of put brush strokes onto the screen and then the game will fill in details and you can create pictures that like are I, I I I guess who knows? Maybe it affects the story, maybe it doesn't. Looks nice. Paparazzi was a game. We're almost at the end of Wholesome Direct. This one is about uh taking this is the developer's word. This is a game about taking pictures of cute dogs. Yeah, it's it's, it. it's Pokemon yeah. Snap or Umarangi generation, but you you take pictures of dogs and you can like sell the but photos. And, it's like... dogs in like a dog city that are all doing human things, like a dog on a scooter or a <laughs> dog them, playing cards or reading a newspaper. Was in a little body of water on a bicycle. <laughs> it cracked me up. Um, Paralives is it looks like it's trying to compete with The Sims, which is really exciting for me. The problem Nolan said this first, so I'm just kind of ripping him off. But the problem <laughs> with 
like Sims like games is that they just don't have as much to choose from when you design your house. But um, this looks really cool. It looks a little bit easier to play than The Sims because that game, The Sims 4 at least, can get kind of weird and broken. And sometimes it's hard to even just like, I don't know, put your, like lift your house up from the ground. It's just. For a game that was marketed almost entirely on its new UI, The Sims 4 UI is like an unmitigated disaster. It's dog shit. (laughs) This game looks really cool. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. And then um, in the interest of full disclosure, Nolan did write an article and interviewed the developers for this next game. Like. But it looks great. I think that this trailer was kind of weird, but. It's a little weird, yeah. I really like the look of this game. Nolan, do you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah. I think that what what the trailer was going for, um, because the game is set in 1986, I think the trailer was, was trying to be like one of those like 80s trailers that was on the beginning of your VHS tape. Mm hmm. Um, you know, for a different movie that you didn't rent. So it had sort of like a cheesy, uh, like, rom-com vibe to it, but it, it didn't really land. Uh, but the game itself, though, which I, I have seen some of, uh, is a game set in Oregon, actually. And it's set in a, a, a fake, sort of fictional town that is supposed to be kind of like a rural um, Willamette Valley, kind of close to the Cascades um, town. And you play as a, a mail carrier. And it's it's like a, just a short, relaxing narrative game. Uh, but what's interesting about it, and this is what I wrote about in the article, is that the game was made um, in Harlem, the Netherlands. So it's it's made by a, a team of Dutch developers. But it absolutely nails the Oregon aesthetic if you if you go look at it in, in a way that other games set in Oregon um, have not really. So I'm very curious to see like if the writing can also deliver on that front that i think that's the part that's more up in the air right Mm -hmm. it's going to be a little bit tough but you know anyways did either of you guys watch the pc gaming show nope nope uh i saw you bud yeah i I did watch the pc gaming show i actually liked it i thought it was one of the better shows uh but not a lot of people cared about yeah yeah it had some really cool stuff but i want to really quickly go over a couple of the highlights uh they went in depth uh with dying light 2 it's good to know that game is not vaporware um, I'm very interested in it. I didn't play a lot of Dying Light 1, but I liked what I played of it. And this, they talked a little bit about like the sort of lore of this world and how it works. Um, it's sort of like... They talk about how, like, oh, there's like a virus, there's like a disease that makes people zombies. Except they explicitly were like, they're not zombies. But they're totally zombies. Who cares? Um, but they talk about how like society moved on to buildings and started like building buildings on top of the buildings so everything is like raised platforms and like skyscrapers there's like people living on the or like apartment complex type buildings there are people living on top of those stretching across cities it's super super cool looking very very interested in this uh very neat looking survival game uh next was giga bash giga bash is it looks very similar to the uh the games made by Pipeworks, the Godzilla games, where it's like you are a monster in a city and you just sort of like fight each other and can throw things at each buildings at each other. You're just a big like uh, I almost said yokai. That's not the term. What's, what am I looking for? A big kaiju monster. Um, looks very very fun. It's being developed by a Malaysian studio. That is this is their first game and so far it looks pretty solid. So I'm gonna be keeping my eye on this. Uh, Nolan and Janelle, I get the feeling you guys would be interested in Gloomwood. Gloomwood is an immersive sim, which they specifically cite uh, Thief and uh, System Shock. 
Um, <clears throat> it is set in like a sort of pseudo Victorian era, and you play as a, a like petty thief, and you have to just kind of like traverse these buildings and like sneak in and steal things. Basically, it is definitely very thief inspired, and it looks gorgeous. Uh, it, it looks very like retro, but it also looks very pretty. Uh, another game that they talked about at the PC gaming show that I was interested in was Gloomwood. It is a immersive sim where they specifically cite Thief and System Shock as inspirations. It takes place in a sort of pseudo Victorian city and has the very early like PC uh, like basic almost PS one feeling poly- polygonal look to it. Um, I'm very very interested in Gloomwood. Um, and then last, I think the the only other thing of note to me personally at least, and there was more stuff, but we kind of tailor it to what we're interested in because we don't have that much time, but uh, oh, yeah. it was Icarus. Icarus is a game that is being made by the guy who made the DayZ mod. And it is a... Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is a, it is a survival game, which normally wouldn't interest me, but the fact that the, the father of survival games, as we know them today, is making it, <laughs> has me definitely interested. So I want to keep Not my to eye on Not to person? It. What? Not Marcus Person, the father of survival. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I guess he technically is too, unfortunately. No, that's but, uh, uh, Hatsune Miku. Yeah, yeah, that's who right. Who made that's that right. game? That's actually, right. um, yeah. But I'm very interested in Icarus. Uh, it does look a little like generic Steam survival game where, but uh, I'm interested in it enough to be the fact that the fact that I don't remember his name. There were two guys. It's only one of them who's working on it. The fact that he is working on this is is enough to make me want to keep my eyes on it at the very least. Yeah, that's really exciting. Was the show led by Day Nine Sean Plot himself once was again? Led by Day Nine, I don't know okay. shit for Dick about Dota, but I love nope. Day Nine. He is yeah, just such a charming guy. I think he's wildly awkward in a way, but it's not in a way that doesn't. He's make like him he's like your fun uncle, right? Yep. He's like gaming dad, you know? He's yeah. great. Okay, so there's like a couple more conferences, but we are gonna quick fire them because there's you know. This one, was, this one was so boring, I fell asleep. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but yeah. there was some pretty cool stuff. The next thing on the docket here was Ubisoft. Okay, we have a lot to talk about with Just Dance 2022. Oh, of course. Just <laughs> kidding. Um, it's just Just Dance again. I, I will say, though. It's the same video game. I, I had planned to say nothing about this game, and, and, I, and I still have nothing to say about the game. <laughs> but the song that they used as the demo by uh, Todrick Hall, never heard of this guy. That song was a bop. That song was kind of. I was, I was, I was really enjoying that Todrick. What's it even called? I don't remember Do the remember? song at all. I don't no. remember. It was, it was, it was kind of cool. I don't, you know, I don't know. Anyways, but what they actually came out of the gate here with uh, was an announcement of an Avatar game, which I heard about well before the conference because our our, our friend was freaking out about it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Blue people, uh, not uh, Last Airbender. Right. Uh, Avatar. James Cameron Avatar. Yeah. This is a cinematic trailer. They didn't show any gameplay. Um, we we don't know what this is. I mean, I don't know. I have. I would imagine yeah. with Frontiers of Pandora being the title that it's probably going to be like an open world game. Uh, but who knows? What are you playing only as a Navi? Can you play as either? Is it a multiplayer? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm interested enough in the idea and the premise. Not that I'm a huge Avatar fan, because I don't think anyone actually is. I think we've all been astroturfed by Disney and or Fox. But, you know, it's it looks pretty, uh, as Ubisoft games tend to be. Uh, I'm going to keep my eye on it. Maybe it'll surprise me. You know? Yeah. If it ever comes out. Yeah, if it ever comes out. Uh-huh. Uh Next is Far Cry 6. I'm a big fan of the Far Cry games, but, like, I don't like how 
What made the Far Cry games so unique, in my opinion, was that they were, like, colorful. You were, like, in a natural environment, and it was, like, pretty to yeah. look at. And and the last two games have been progressively more gray and brown. Wait, what? I Wait, hold on. Far Cry 5, I think, was a little bit less colorful and a little bit more, you know, homogenous in the color palette. But this game looks totally vibrant. I don't think so. I think it looks it's very brown. It, okay, but it's certainly not more gray than 5, I, I think. actually really like the setting for this, and I think that the pops of color are really beautiful. Yeah. The it, setting's cool. I'm interested uh, in it. It's, it's, a fake, it's a fake Cuba and a fake Fidel Castro. Yeah, well, sort of, kind of. They talked about this in the... the Jeff Keighley show. Right. He's like, oh, I'm... Giancarlo Esposito plays uh, a villain named... I think his name is uh, Anton Castile, and he is the dictator of this um, country that yeah, is, yeah. is loosely based off of Cuba. It's, and it's you're, definitely Cuba-inspired, yeah. You're playing as a revolutionary who, uh, you know, is probably related to his son or something. I don't. There's going to be some, like, act two reveal. But, sure. uh, yeah. you know... It, uh, what's interesting to me about it, I, I can understand what you're saying about it being a little more brown. What's interesting to me about it, it's actually more intriguing than the other Far Cry games have been, is that they have never had an urban environment. And this looks to have kind of like a Havana-style downtown area. That's Which true. I'm That's really, true. really interested in seeing how the game will... Because the games have never had anything larger than, like, little outpost villages. They've never had full-sized towns. And I don't really know how the gameplay loop would, would work in a area like that. But I want to. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this is another game I'm going to keep my eye on. I expect it to be U- typical Ubisoft fare, but with even messier politics. But that being said, I'm, 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 I'm curious. I, I have a soft funny. spot for Far Cry. In Summer of Games, there was a part where... or I Sorry, Summer Games Fest. Jeff Keighley was talking to Giancarlo Esposito, and he said, So... You're playing the villain in this game. And he was like, no, this man is not a villain. He loves his country very much. And I think that's hilarious because in the trailer, he like shoots this old woman who is, she runs up and she's like, you tyrant, you're destroying this country. And he just like shoots her in the head. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, well, back to what I was saying. It's like, okay, <laughs> loving your, being, being a nationalist, fighting for nationalist cause doesn't make you not a villain. But whatever. <laughs> it, it's a little bit like how uh, in Far Cry 4, the villain there, Pagan Min, was just, what if Pol Pot was camp? And it's like, <laughs> oh, well, I, I I mean, I guess you could run with that. Like, I don't know. What if Pol Pot, what if Pol Pot was, like, kind of hot and funny? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. After that, though, we got, I'm surprised it wasn't the, the Nintendo reveal, Mario plus yeah. Rabbids Sparks of Hope. This you is, were right last week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I might have heard rumors about it, or it's been something that's been talked about because people liked it so much. But it's a new Mario Rabbids game. Just like last week, I said that it is Baby's first XCOM, but it's damn good at it. This looks but to be the same thing. But now it's not on a grid anymore. There's no grid, so... Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's weird. That is weird, yeah. So now it's not really XCOM anymore. It's it's like something else. Yeah, yeah. But... Still a strategy game. <clears throat> so that was pretty cool. And then there was a Rainbow Six game which um was announced as rainbow six quarantine oh yeah they changed the name of that for obvious reasons i think that's kind of lame who would who Who would would people be upset about that i mean we all hear the word quarantine like every day yeah it's not gonna like bring back bad memories or something i don't know but i i I guess i can understand but i think extraction 
uh, kind of sounds like just what the main game already is. Yeah, I think that's a bad. <laughs> I think that's a bad. Why not? Adjustment. I mean, but then again, what would you change it to? Because you can't do like lockdown. You can't do. You can't do outbreak. You can't do invasion. In, yeah, invasion's kind of good. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Rainbow Six: The Last of Us. So this is like Rainbow Six Siege with a lot of the same character uh, characters and abilities and loadouts and everything, except now you are um, going into these quarantine zones and fighting these sort of alien invaders. Do you know what this um, game reminds me of? You know, yeah. Nexon, Nexon, the company Nexon, licensed a uh, version of uh, Counter-Strike where you fight zombies for the South Korean market. And Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, why... This it's doesn't like, wow, feel this, in this... character for this game. Like, why would well, you do more, that? More to me, it's like the gameplay styling of a game like Rainbow Six or Counter-Strike is uh, sort of in direct contrast. It's it's sort of the antithesis of the way that games like that play. If you're going to have a slow, methodical shooter, when you translate that to the gameplay feel of fighting a horde then your characters will feel sluggish. But if you take the methodical gameplay and try and make it like you're stealthing through a zombie-infested area, I mean, maybe that could work, but it still feels like you're you're sort of transposing a gameplay style specifically made for slow-paced PvP onto fast-paced action and not so changing much about it. It's, it's like, so will that work? I don't know if that'll work. Mmm... Yeah, and we'll and, and the fact that it's a sixty dollar game and not like a thirty dollar expansion or whatever, that's that's yeah. also a thing that's like, I don't know about this. Okay, real quick, I wanna pull behind the veil just a little bit. Right before we started recording, the way that we decided to organize this was by interest, so that we could have the most time to talk about the stuff we wanted to talk about. And I remember mentioning that to Janelle, I was like, Do we want to move anything around? She was like, Yeah, put Square Enix last. And I went, uh, okay, fine. And the reason that I hesitated on it was because, yes, this is one of the worst conferences, <laughs> but it's very interesting to talk about exactly why it was so bad, because it's uh-huh. like they did literally everything wrong. Like, everything was a letdown or a confusing choice they made. So it bad. was so bizarre. So, so fucking bad. You know how long we saw Guardians of the Galaxy for? It's At too least long. 30 minutes. And it's, At and least it's 30 like a 30-minute 30 conference, right? Like... It was so fucking long. At one point, I was a little, a little tiny bit drunk. And at one point, I just started cracking up. And I was like, is this still playing? Yeah. Like, are we still watching this? It's been like 20 minutes of this game. And, like, they didn't even show interesting gameplay. They showed them fight a blob. Yeah. They opened yeah. with an announcement of the Guardians of Galaxy game. No joke. Followed by interviews with the developers followed by an interview with a marvel executive about his impression of the developers followed by another teaser trailer followed by concept art followed by three separate entire segments of gameplay that went through the entire opening area of the game followed by another trailer followed by a title drop and then they went on to the next thing in the conference, which was mobile ports of Final Fantasy. It was so, it, it, it's so weird because it's like, I was like kind of into the Guardians game. I was like, okay, I can see how this but could be I fun. I never want to play it. I hate I, it out of spite now, I yeah. Would, I yeah. would have been interested in that game, but now I don't want to look at it. 
Ever. Hey, hey, you know those, those famous critically acclaimed Final Fantasy games that people have been begging to get ports of uh, for years in the traditional uh, yes. like pixel art style? Let's spend yes. less than a minute on those and also not release them on consoles because fuck you! <laughs> We hate you here at Square Enix. They didn't even have time to get through the Final Fantasy Overture. It was like, da, 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 like fade to black. Instantly move on to the next thing. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then you hear like Diana Burnwood's voice and it's like, new new Hitman content. And then... Ah, This sucked. Like more levels... It's like it's, it's a not mobile even, game. It's not, it's not even new levels for the currently existing game called Hitman Sniper. It is a different new game also called Hitman Sniper. And it's so <laughs> ugly. It looks so disgusting. But then you're oh, like, oh, so hey, cool. Weird. We're going to get to hear about Babylon's Fall. <laughs> that new platinum game that looked really interesting. Fuck you. They changed the art style, made it look like you smeared Vaseline all over the screen. And it's a games as a service. Fuck you! There was, a, there was a part. There was a part where the they were talking to the <laughs> talking to the, <laughs> to the character artist, and he was like, the the team at Platinum was very particular with me about making the characters look like real people who lived in a real world and were not fantasy <laughs> tropes. And while, <laughs> while he was saying, I put extra work into making them look believable. They were showing pictures of the characters, and they all looked like the most like out there Final Fantasy designs like not even They're the Nomura designs but the yeah. crazy yeah like super super like over exaggerated anime and he was like I wanted to make sure they all looked believably like people that would live in this world and it's like I mean yeah but like that could mean anything based off the world <laughs> oh but hey then we got oh sorry no you're no, good go you no. guys like you guys like Life is Strange uh, it's fine, but I'm so happy that we have a remaster that doesn't look any better than the original one <laughs> yeah, fuck at you. all. How about we don't show you anything of the new game, and we spend the most of our time showing you the old game that doesn't look like a noticeable improvement from the old game because it's a remaster of an old game that came out like ten years ago. Because fuck you! <laughs> and then they did show a little bit of Life is Strange True Colors, and, yeah, the, and that bit, game looks good. game looks good. Yeah, that game looks bit, good. A little bit. It's that, that's what we're talking about in, in the beginning. It's like what Janelle, you said in the beginning, where we're like, we're not like slamming on the developers. It's like individually, okay, a new Guardian, a Guardians of the Galaxy game made by Square Enix, made by Eidos Montreal, who did the Deus Ex games, with um, dialogue choices, like branching and narrative cutscenes, branching yeah. narrative paths. Different, like, Final Fantasy 15 esque combat, where you can call upon character abilities mid battle, like, you know, levels that will alter their path based off of what characters you send in. That's so cool. Final Fantasy games coming out on mobile is not great, but it's a pretty cool thing to do. The Dragon Quest games did that. Everyone likes them. Nothing is inherently wrong with that. You know, Platinum making games as a service. But, all these things are great, but the conference... Well, that, yeah, that, I don't know that about that. that. Yeah. That, that part isn't great. The conference is like... A, the presentation was just so weird. They had no idea what anyone wanted because I don't think they knew. This is one of the reasons that I feel like uh, the ESA was like, please, you have to do something. And they were like, well, we'll even, throw something together, I guess. After, one thing that really, really got me, and I, I haven't seen anyone talk about this because everyone's talking about the the bad um, pixel you know, collection or whatever, pixel remaster. But one thing that's not being talked about is that they showed... A text box from later in the conference, a text box from Final Fantasy One, and it said something like the classic story of Final Fantasy brought back to life. 
And it was in the sort of, you know, original Famicom 8-bit graphics. And then a screen wipe happened, and it updated the same text box to modern HD. And it was like, oh my god, a Final Fantasy 1 remake. Okay, that's cool. And then it was an event for the mobile game that's putting Final Fantasy 1 characters in the mobile game. Which, does the mobile game about collecting Final Fantasy characters not already have the generic Warriors of Light? Of course those characters not, didn't fuck even, you. Which, for those the characters record, didn't even have names. They were just character classes. There's no way they aren't already in that game. Additionally, for the record, people are saying, because I haven't tried this, that the demo of Final Fantasy Origin didn't even fucking work. Oh yeah, there's yeah, another yeah, game that's coming out. There's a, a yeah. separate announcement that also is like kind of a remake of Final Fantasy 1, but it's like a... It's, it's, it's Neo. Actually, it's made by the guys be, who did... Uh, to be fair... To be fair, stupid uh, uh, presentation. Final Fantasy Origin looks pretty cool. I'm interested. But, I'm interested. You know, right after the whole Final Fantasy Brave Exvius scandal, they they cut to this like scandal. Final Fantasy 15 looking character, and he just goes, "All I want to, all I think about is killing chaos. Is killing. I have to destroy chaos." So, yeah. So funny. And you know what we didn't see? Any Final Fantasy 16? <laughs> no, because fuck at you. All. They actually replayed the trailer for Final Fantasy 16 in the pre-show to this conference. Yeah, just so we don't forget that they're making it. I guess this was a terrible fucking conference. It was. They did Horrible. everything wrong that they could have done, right? Like maybe the worst one I've ever seen. It was, this is well, up there. This is up there. The next, the next one's pretty bad too. But this one was just so hysterically bad. Real quick. I, I can't even fathom it. Real quick. This has not been a great E3 overall, and I think it's for a lot of the reasons we talked about. There was like, COVID fucked everything up. I totally get that. I do not fault anyone for this. But that being said, do you think Konami saw the writing on the wall and was like, we can't do what we did in 2010 again. Let's get the hell out of Dodge. Just and dropped just dropped out. out. Yeah. That's my prediction. Probably. God, it turns out they didn't even need to because everyone else fucking did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they could have just stayed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, last one is the only one that I think might have been worse than Square Enix because it, they spent a lot of time on games that already came out and that we already know about. Like so nothing, nothing was a yeah, yeah. They talked about how th- the biggest announcement or reveal for Capcom was a, a black text on a sc- on a screen saying like, "We are making DLC for uh, Resident Evil Village." Like that's all you. If you're if that's all you're gonna say, why bother? Yeah, when they we were playing it at work, and when they started talking about Resident Evil, my boss just turned it off. He's like, "This was dog shit." <laughs> he just turned it off. He's like, "This is a game that's already come out. Yeah. They're all games that have already come out." Yeah. Well, this this one hasn't uh, technically, you know, and I'm kind of interested yeah. in it. But this one's cool. Yeah, yeah. There uh, were so many cool announcements this year, but like we we've been talking almost you know once every few episodes leading up to E3, we have been talking about how like. 50% of the great announcements in 2021 happened months ago. Yeah. yeah. They just they just did them on their own before E3. And this show had very little to show for it. But you were going to mention, sorry, I cut you no, off. No, you're with, totally with fine. What, with what Capcom did show. So this is this is the last thing that we want to talk about for game reveals. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, E3 as a whole, but this is this is the last thing. Uh, is the great Ace Attorney this is a DS or 3DS, I don't remember which game, that came out in Japan exclusively because it is about, it takes place in like the 1800s and you are a, like, I don't remember, I don't know what era that would be, but you are that era of Japan and you're, you're Meiji. still, Meiji, thank you. 
Uh, oh, I know the Meiji Restoration. That's a thing. But you are a uh, a lawyer. You are like you are like Phoenix Wright's like grandfather or something. And you go to uh, you go to the UK and you meet Sherlock Holmes. And it's like a very different style and aesthetic to this game. And people didn't ever think it would come out in America because it's so fundamentally Japanese. But they showed a they showed a neat trailer for it. I'm interested in it. But me too. Yeah, it, it's it's a little bit like it didn't overstay its welcome like Guardians, but it's a little like Guardians where it's like, is this it? Like, is this is this what you may, had this whole E three conference for? I don't remember the uh, particulars, but I remember reading a really fascinating um, article uh, that included in uh, some in, in, in an interview with the person who was head of localization for the great Ace Attorney. And they talked about how it was actually like a dream project for them because uh, it it was a really fun challenge trying to translate these very particular cultural concepts because what they got to do is spend a whole bunch of time researching uh, sort of, you know, Charles Dickens era literature and... The it, it it was a woman I I forget her name but she mentioned she bought a uh, antique nineteenth century English dictionary and she restricted herself to to writing the script only to include words that contemporaneously existed in the current in in the year the game is set. So is is so, the idea that they wanted to make it sound like old Japanese? So yeah, the game is written in in like old uh, archaic Japanese, um, but not like so archaic. It's like it's like. It's what we hear when we listen to, like, BBC productions of Great Expectations. You know what I mean? Like, it's that... That's the best comparison. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very recognizable, but the the wording and nomenclature is different enough that it has an identifiable style. And so, yeah, she she wrote it only using words from that time. But it was interesting because she had done a first pass of the script, and then she had to go back and realize, like, oh, like, the word backstab didn't exist back then. So she had to re- had to re- change the script to remove all the words that she mistakenly had put in, thinking that that, that they would have said that in English. That sounds like did. a really so interesting really, article. I want to read that sometime. I'll, I'll try and find it for you. Can you, it can you put really, it in the really description? Cool. That'd be a cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I make an edit to a game we talked about earlier? Sure. I'm just looking down at my phone, and we mentioned yokai inns having really beautiful art. I guess the creator came out today, um, quick news story, breaking news, <laughs> about how they were inspired by another artist's work who is upset at how the game looks, and they're going to be making some art style changes. Because oh. they feel that it's too similar to their work instead of, like, too derivative? Yeah, because some people were getting confused between the two. Oh, wow. Well, oh. breaking news. So. Can we, can, well, what, what's the game out of curiosity? Yokai. 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 No, no, the, the, the other person was making Frontier Story in there. Oh, yeah. Art had been, like, removed for, I don't know why, for reasons for, like, half a year or something. And so that's the thing. Um, oh. But still, the game looks good. Yeah, um, yeah. Just thought I would mention that now that I just saw it. So Before we wrapped up here. Yeah, so that was E3. Uh, thank you for listening, and thank you a, a bunch to our editors who, for letting us put out a very long episode and hopefully giving it a decent turnaround and all of the technical issues that we had. Um, oh, yeah. Real quick, what did you... If you guys had to, to like, rate this E3, not on, like, a no- numeric scale, but, like, what did you think of this year's E3 overall, in a sentence? No. Um, I thought it was... Pretty terrible. It yeah. was a good 
a reminder that having just a few people, like a few different presentations over a couple of days is a lot easier for everyone and is a lot more coherent. And I also, though, think that every year people complain about E3 being bad and it's not that it didn't have good games. It's that it just, I don't know, the management or something went yeah. terribly, terribly wrong. So yeah. I, I don't think it was very good. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I understand and I sympathize, but this was a rough E3. And I think they either needed to take a step back and be like, okay, we need to do something to, to tweak this. Or they could have skipped it again this year. Yeah, I, I would say overwhelming because there were some great announcements in here. There, there, there oh, were, yeah, oh, yeah. you know... Probably, you know, between five and ten, like, really great, interesting things that that stood out to me. But, uh, yeah, the wild increase in the quantity of conferences just muddied the waters so much that even the, the absolute excellent stuff was standing out, but the stuff that would otherwise have stood out as great was just getting lost in the shuffle due yeah. to the sheer dog pile of, of things being dropped on us from like, 70 different conferences. And things but that there didn't was... need to be dropped, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. It was so and weird. And like there we didn't mention Devolver. There were like we there's we've already gone almost like way over our time and we didn't even have time to talk about everything or give any real thoughts on I mean, you know, longer thoughts on the games that we are really excited about because th- this was just crazy. And we had to, like, five different times be like, what is actually E3 and what isn't E3 and when is this happening? It was just a fucking mess. I think it's interesting because last year it was summer game mess, right? It was like everyone was just doing their own thing. It was lawless and it was like a month of, like, drip feeding. And it was like, this sucks. This is miserable. That's one thing that E3 had in its favor was that it consolidated everything. And it didn't even do that this year. Mm. (laughs) Like, so it's E3 is desperate to retain relevance and it didn't even earn that. Like, and there's so much that we even forgot about, uh, you know, another show that was sort of kind of E3 was the Guerrilla Collective presentations. They had, they, they, they had like 70 indie games that they showed. We, like, yeah. There's so much stuff that we can't even talk about, and we already went so long because, you know. I think Summer Game Fest is, was, the first day of it was really good, and I'm excited to see what else they do over the summer for that. You know yeah, what we will do, listener, for you is in, in the description of this episode... We're going to link a website uh, called E3 Recap. And what we can't do is give you everything, but E3 Recap, you can filter by conference, you can filter by, you know, time of presentation, developer, everything. And that has everything that was shown this year from all the different places. And undoubtedly, you will find something really interesting in there that we couldn't mention because there was tons and tons of indie, hundreds of indie games that got shown. A lot of them are really interesting. So you should look at that. So obviously we can't, yeah. we can't possibly cover them in any meaningful way. But we are but we are way over time. Thank you. Yep. Thank you all for listening and thank you to the people at the Daily Emerald Podcast Desk for putting up with us and letting us make this this coverage yes. of a nightmare event. Um That is the Emerald Gamescast episode 65. My name is Nolan Guiden. with me has been Oh yeah, Emerald Gamescast Gaiden E3 2021. Um You're right. Yeah, I'm Janelle. And I'm brilliant. And with me also has been... I'm Alex, and I'm so tired. And if you want to get us on Twitter, at ODE Gamescast, you can do that. Send us questions, comments, topics, whatever you want. Pictures of Crash Bandicoot, picture of Crash Bandicoot renders. Picture of his butt. Picture of his butt. Or you can email us at emeraldgamescast at gmail.com. And we'll read it. 
We take emails. We don't take we don't take forwards or chain mails. We don't take voicemails either. Don't take voicemails. Uh, our secretaries will turn those down uh, right away. But come on back next time. See you later. See you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.